0: This podcast is a 3D audio production, so watch out as sounds may seem to come from beside you or behind you. For the best listening experience, please use headphones.
1: Hello, I wanted to take a moment to thank you for listening, and also to explain why you might hear ads like this before, during, or even after an episode. We're a small but mighty team here at Realm and to help fund our shows, we promote products or services that we think you'd enjoy from a variety of sponsors. If any of our ads interest you, one of the best ways to support us is by visiting the link or using the promo code in the ad. It's pretty much a win-win since you can get some great deals and we can keep making awesome shows like this one. You can also visit realm.fm partners for more information about our sponsors and how to access the different promotions. Thanks again for joining us in our corner of the universe. Listen away.
2: Ancestor by number one New York Times best-selling novelist Scott Sigler is available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Realm presents Orphan Black, the next chapter, season two, starring Tatiana Maslany, Jordan Gavaris, Evelyn Brochu
4: and Christian Brune. Episode six, With Delphine out shopping for dinner, Cosima should have been catching up on work for Trossery, but stressing about her growing to-do list only made her want to do some quality assurance on the new cannabis strain she was developing. She took a toke on her joint and stared at her computer screen while she held her breath. She had once prided herself on maintaining the coveted Inbox Zero, but these days she hovered around Inbox 50, 51.
0: At least no one's complained about all the personal days I've been
4: taking lately. For a company engaged in genetic engineering, albeit of recreational and medicinal pharmaceuticals, having a clone on staff was a fantastic marketing angle. But if the wind shifted further and Cosima became a liability due to either her mediocre performance or the increasing ugliness directed at clones out there, her awesome job and all its perks would go up in smoke. She exhaled slowly. The screen disappeared behind a cloudy haze. Work just wasn't gonna happen today. She squinted at her to-do list. There was one task she could take care of right now, which would be much more pleasant. She made a video call to Charlotte. Her niece was always online or near her computer. And sure enough, Charlotte answered the call on the third ring.
0: Is everything okay, Aunt Cosima? Of course. Why wouldn't it be?
4: Charlotte arched an eyebrow.
0: Right. You got me there. Uh, I suppose things are very not okay, huh? You're smoking, so I assume Delphine is out? Anyone ever tell you you're too smart for your own good? (laughs) Everyone. Often. Is it a good idea, letting Delphine go out alone? You're lucky she isn't here, or she would give you an earful. I'm pregnant. Not helpless. Anyway, she's safer if I stay home.
4: Cosima was too recognizable these days. After the harassment they'd been subjected to during the childbirth class, she'd become convinced it was better for Delphine and the baby if she wasn't seen in public with them right now. Bad enough that the latest press on the secret vaccinations they'd administered had torpedoed what was left of Delphine's credibility in bioethics, If their experimental pregnancy became another talking point on the morning news, things would get even worse. Would you like to talk about it?
0: Nah, I didn't call the helpline. I called to see how you're doing. We haven't seen you in a while. Where are you, anyway?
4: Kasim appeared closer at the screen to get a better look at the unfamiliar backdrop behind Charlotte. A large window with a view of the city skyline. Definitely not the Bell's kitchen or Kira's dorm room, where she had assumed Charlotte was staying. Charlotte glanced behind her. When she turned back to the screen, her expression was a mixture of embarrassment and guilt.
0: I've been staying with a, a friend.
4: Oh, is this a new friend? Kasima was surprised, but happy if Charlotte had found someone at last. That girl needed more distractions in her life as much as Kasima needed fewer.
0: Sort of, but we actually go way back. It's Aunt Rachel.
4: Rachel? You mean Rachel?
0: And you're calling her aunt now? Only because she hates it. I hate it too. Uh, uh, Are you a prisoner? Do you need help? Whoa, calm down. It's nothing like that. I I chose to be here, and it was long overdue. Uh, what does Art think about all this? Dad doesn't know, and he doesn't have to know. Not right now, anyway. He wouldn't have gone on vacation with Jay if he didn't trust me to take care of myself. He he was trusting us to keep an eye on you. Charlotte, can you help me understand this? Rachel reached out to me. I've wanted this for a long time. I think she may be the only genetic identical who really understands me and how I feel about what I did. Oh, sweetie, you may have come from her, but you and Rachel are very different people. You published Project Lita because you were trying to do what you thought was the right thing. Rachel usually does only what's best for her.
4: On the other hand, Rachel had given them the list of Lita clones, which had been of no immediate benefit to her. And more recently, she'd had Kasima's back on Mira's show when she could have easily used the opportunity to her own advantage. Charlotte scrunched up her face her eyes shining with tears.
0: That's what I'm talking about. I'm not sure I wasn't doing what was best for me. Well, you didn't know what would happen. But you all knew it would be a mess. You warned me, and I didn't listen. Charlotte, we we care about you. If we had known this was still bothering you, we'd... I know you all love me. We all love each other. It's a big love fest. That's important. That's everything. But who does Rachel have? How can I... Trust that you've forgiven me. If we can't forgive her, how can I forgive myself?
4: Cosima leaned back. Well, shit. Then Rachel stepped into view beside Charlotte and put her hand on the girl's shoulder. Speak of the devil.
0: Hello, Cosima.
4: She leaned down and whispered something into Charlotte's ear. Charlotte shook her head, but Rachel squeezed her shoulder, said something else. Charlotte sighed. (sighs)
0: Thanks for checking in, and Cosima. I'm fine, really.
4: Charlotte got up and walked away. Rachel slid into Charlotte's seat. Cosima couldn't help herself from glancing at Rachel's left eye, like she always did. Then she felt bad about it.
0: I assume you listened to our whole conversation. We do have good hearing. I admit I am surprised that you're taking this, I suppose, well as an overstatement. I'm taking it. It's clear this is very important to Charlotte, and and I'm feeling charitable, though that could just be the weed. It's probably the weed. Whatever the reason, I appreciate you giving me the benefit of the doubt. And your concerns are understandable, but you have nothing to worry about. Charlotte is in good hands here. See? You say shit like that and I get more worried. Everything sounds like a threat coming from you. Perhaps that says more about you than it does me. Carrying a burden of responsibility, as Charlotte does, sets her apart. Growing up self-aware and being younger than the rest of the leaders, these things set her apart as well. Your best intentions won't change that. The guilt she feels, this is something I understand better than anyone. Many people have to struggle with that alone. I had to, but Charlotte doesn't.
4: Kazima wanted to believe Rachel was as sincere as she seemed, but it was a big ask. She leaned closer to the camera.
0: Uh, Just do me a favor. If you aren't ready to be part of this family, walk away while you still can. Okay? Disappointing Charlotte will undo any good you think you're doing for her, and none of us will forgive you for that. Ever. Now who sounds threatening? That's because it was a threat. And make sure she checks in with us once a day.
4: Casima clicked the mouse emphatically, ending the call. Her thoughts were conflicted. Even if she couldn't yet see this as some miraculous redemption arc for Rachel, any change in the woman's tradition of vile, self-serving behavior was a definite improvement. Now all she had to figure out was how to keep Delphine from storming over there to get Charlotte back. Helena double-checked the GPS coordinates and picked up her binoculars. She scanned the gently curved horizon slowly, looking out over the vast, flat waters of the Atlantic. Then she spotted it. A speck of land far off in the distance. That had to be Blyde's Island. Got you. Her voice was dry from sun and salt and disuse. She had been alone for two days, bobbing up and down on this toy boat, Just her and nature, like the old days. No rowdy little boys to shout after, no fans to greet, or talk show hosts to entertain. She took a swig from her canteen. The sun-warmed water soothed her throat. She closed her eyes and breathed in the fresh sea air. Maybe she should buy a boat, a real one, not this stinky trawler. When all this was done, she and little Arthur and little Donnie would sail the open seas. Just disappear for a while, and let all the new nonsense in the world go on without them. Except she would miss her sestras. And that was a long time to spend with two eight-year-old boys in very little space. She might be crazy, but not that crazy. She scooped her satellite phone up and glanced at the number on the screen. Not Felix. Felix but the digits filled her with a sense of comfort and home.
0: I told you never to be calling me here. All right, since when do you tell Chuck? I always funny one. Need something to lighten mood when you live in dark places.
4: The sky and sea were turning golden as the sun dipped lower to kiss the water. She held up a hand and turned it this way and that, admiring the warm glow of her usually pale skin.
0: Or you've just been out there on your own too long. Felix called me, he's in trouble. Sounded like he was caught snooping. I heard a voice threatening him, a clone. Sounded American. Vivi this. He said he was with Vivi, but it could have been someone else. Maybe Blythe? All I know is you're not on recon anymore. We need you to get him out of there. Where are you? I can't see island. I'll be there by night. No one will see me. I bring back Brother Sestra. All right, be careful, me Ted. and thank you.
4: Helena grunted and ended the call. She spent the next few moments lowering the anchor and securing it so they would have a boat to come back to with Felix. Or maybe Blythe had a fancy yacht she would steal. She changed into a wetsuit and double-checked the gear in her waterproof satchel. She sealed it up and slung it over her shoulder then checked that her bowie knife was securely sheathed at her thigh. The sun was a red sliver just peeking over the horizon as twilight settled around her. She hopped over the side of the boat and began swimming for shore. Kira had been in the tiny clone care office all morning, had even skipped her comparative literature class to be here, and not a single person had called. She couldn't have said no, though. Charlotte needed her to step up while she was bonding with Rachel and sorting through her issues, and Kira had skipped her fair share of shifts in the past for lesser reasons. She owed it to her cousin and to Uncle Fee, who hardly ever asked anyone to do something for him, but was always quick to help others. Kira's eyes blurred, but she blinked back the tears. No. If she cried, then that would be giving in to her worst fears. She had calmly endured Mum's rants about Uncle Fee's idiocy for having run off to the island alone. But now spikes of worry rose within Kira. He was okay. He had to be.
5: (sighs) He's fine.
2: Who's fine?
4: (gasps) Kira jumped at the sound of Donnie's voice. She spun her seat around and saw him standing just inside the open door. Uncle Felix. Donnie's eyes softened. Then he smiled, perhaps a little too brightly. But Kira appreciated the effort. Donnie always did things 110%.
2: Of course he is. And if anyone can bring him back, it's Helena. It's the other people on that island we should be worried about. So how's business?
5: Prepare yourself for a quiet afternoon surfing the internet.
2: Oh, slow day.
5: No one's
4: calling. No one? I thought we were helping lots of people. Kira pointed at her flat screen monitor.
5: We were, but take a look at this. I grabbed the call record for every call we've received since we started Clone Care.
4: You
2: must have been really bored.
5: I needed to focus on something other than.
4: I wanted to be useful, but check it out. She traced the flat line to a couple of early blips as word got out. Then the slow rise as more people began reaching out, a plateau of steady calls coming in, many of them repeat callers, who often spent hours talking, and then some recent spikes as discrimination against clones rose. Donnie tapped a finger against a sudden sharp decline, which led into the slow trickle of calls and ended at the bottom today.
2: Hey, what happened there?
4: Blythe, I wanna work on this a
5: little more but it seems the more her following grows, the worse the viewer responds to Cosima and Rachel's interviews.
2: Really? Huh. We've been wondering why our ratings have been tanking lately. Do you think Blythe has something to do with it? Could be.
5: At first I thought maybe it was just saturation, that people are getting tired of clones being in the news all the time. But Blythe's channel is growing by thousands of subscribers a day. The public is still very interested in clones, But people want to hear about them from her, and... Unfortunately, her message has been shifting toward criticism of the Sestras.
2: Yeah, I've noticed. But why are people listening to her? Because she's one of the clones who was lied to. Well, as if she isn't profiting, too, selling her lotions and shakes and whatever.
5: Blythe is
2: selling much
5: more than that. The dream of a clone community. We set up this hotline to help others, but we wait for them to call us, which, understandably, they are less and less inclined to do, thanks to Blythe. Meanwhile, she's reaching out to them through her videos, appearing on news shows, creating support networks. It's working. She's telling clones what they need and providing it. And what's that? Something we didn't give them. A choice. Anyway, like I said, these are just preliminary numbers. And a working theory. I need to look at all the data more closely to say
4: for sure. She couldn't wait to show this to Emmeline. Em was the only other person Kira knew who could get excited about a spreadsheet.
2: Yeah, impressive work.
5: What's up? Something bothering you?
2: (laughs) It's nothing. I got this. You can run along now and go do something young and reckless.
5: (laughs) I never thought Mr. Dad of the Year would advise me to be irresponsible.
2: Hey... If anyone deserves that chance, it's you, kid.
4: Well, she appreciated that, but she wasn't going to leave him like this. Donnie always made a point of being super supportive of everyone. He was always there for his family. But who was there for him? Without waiting for a ring, Kira picked up the phone. Clone Care, this is Kira. How can I help? Donnie gave her a strange look.
2: Who are you talking to?
4: Kira pointed at the headset on the desk. He slipped it on and pressed the switch that activated it.
2: Hello? Kira, there's no one on-
5: Hello sir, what's your name?
2: Kira, this is silly. I don't I'm
5: here to listen.
2: Hi, I'm Donnie, but I'm not a clone.
5: Do you know a clone?
2: Oh, I know lots of them.
5: We talk to many people who are learning to live with a clone. It can be challenging. I know that from personal experience. But the important thing is being
4: honest, especially with yourself. Donnie ran a hand through his hair.
2: Well, see, my wife, her name's Allison, but you know that. I mean, she caught me kissing another clone because I thought it was her, and now she's worried it's happened before and I never realized it.
4: Kira dropped her phone. (laughs) Whoa. I know, right?
2: She wants me to account for every one of our kisses in the last eight months in a spreadsheet.
4: Donnie suddenly realized he was still talking into his headset and pulled it off. Could anyone do that? Kira felt her face flush. She could remember every time she had kissed Em. But in all fairness, they hadn't been going out for long and every kiss was still as amazing as the first one.
5: Allison knows how hard it can be to tell clones apart when they're really trying, especially as an actress. I doubt that's the only thing that's bothering her. Maybe it's just the thing that pushed her over the edge.
2: She has been edgy lately. Clones at home is on the bubble, and Allie thinks we've let ourselves lose sight of the real purpose of the show, to normalize clones in the public eye. But with all the tension over clones lately, all those attacks and Blythe, I think she's starting to feel defeated. Allison doesn't handle defeat well. Amen. She especially lost it when she found out about my fan club. <laughs> You're what? Yeah. I have fans, apparently. They even have a hashtag for me on social media. Hashtag (laughs) DadBodDonnie. Anyway, my fan group isn't helping any. Allie is convinced if the show fails, it's because of her. She busts her ass for the show.
5: No one's harder on herself than Allison when she doesn't meet
4: her own high expectations.
2: Especially when she feels like she's losing a popularity contest.
4: Kira frowned. Allison had been like that once, for sure, but she had since found herself... She seemed more comfortable and confident in who she was, recognizing what made her special rather than seeking validation from others. I doubt this is about jealousy. Like you said, she has
5: bigger things on her mind.
2: But a little ego boost would probably go a long way to cheering her up.
4: What are you getting at?
2: Kira, help me start a fan club for her.
4: Kira suddenly wished she had left when she had the chance.
5: Um... I'm not sure that's the solution.
2: Look, we're her biggest fans, right? So it's not dishonest to get the ball rolling. You're great at organizing things, getting stuff done, and and you know social media way better than I do. Like, way, way better.
5: I'm sort of busy with school and Emmeline right now.
2: Please, Kira, please, you have to do this. You're the only one who can get this done fast, especially with Allison watching me so closely right now. She can't suspect I have anything to do with this. It won't take that much time. You can probably do it while you're here, since no one is calling anyway. She's a clone. She needs care. Your care.
4: Come on, Uncle Donnie.
2: Okay, I'll pay you. Anything you want.
4: Kira crossed her arms on the desk and dropped her head onto them. Fine, I'll do it. It wasn't even the money, though her nonprofit volunteer work was putting a drain on the college trust fund her mom had set up from selling Mrs. S's house. Donnie was just so darned earnest to cheer up Allison. It might be a ridiculous idea, but he was so pure-hearted. A better hashtag for him would have been hashtag cinnamon roll. Maybe she could make that a thing. She lifted her head and reached for the computer mouse. Let's get started. Blythe Winston was furious about catching Felix snooping around her armory, but she was very good at hiding it. If Vivi hadn't been trained herself in managing emotions, she wouldn't have picked up on the subtle cues, the flush in her cheeks, the slightly rigid posture, but Blythe's voice was as buttery as ever, making Vivi wonder if she really had somehow found the inner peace she offered her acolytes. Vivi was angry too, herself for nearly getting caught, and for the lapse in judgment that had led her to partner up with Felix. It had been a split-second decision to turn him in when Blythe suddenly appeared. Vivi suspected they had tripped an unseen motion sensor that activated a silent alarm, and his shock had quickly morphed into horror and betrayal as she restrained him, gagging him with his own silk scarf so he couldn't give her away. She had him figured out well enough to know his bruised ego would hurt worse than the momentary pain she'd inflicted. He would give her an earful later, but after what Vivi had seen in that storage unit, the guns, the ammunition, the tactical gear, Blythe's plans to militarize her followers, she was certain she had saved his life back there. And now she had to keep him alive without putting herself in danger too.
0: I'm sure you have questions.
4: Blythe spoke even more softly than usual, forcing Vivi to strain to hear her breathy voice from her seat on just the other side of her desk. It was a strategy the woman often employed, literally forcing people to hang on her every word. I'd been wondering why you wanted me to teach the others how to fight and
0: shoot. It it isn't just self-defense, it's combat training.
4: These so-called messengers were really assassins Blythe intended to use against anyone who targeted clones, and presumably any other dirty work Blythe might need done. Haven isn't only a place,
0: it's a promise. The best way to defend our sisters on this island and around the world is with preventative action, preemptive strikes. Most of the people here have been victims all their lives. I'm helping them take the first steps to make their own choices and seize control of their situation the way I did, the way you did. We are whomever
4: we make ourselves into, wouldn't you agree? Vivi's skin was crawling from all the crazy talk, but she nodded. It shows how much you care,
0: that you're prepared to protect the island, your ideals, and most importantly, the people who trust you to keep them safe. That's exactly right. And another reason why I brought you here, your quick actions today demonstrated that I couldn't have selected a better person for security chief. But it's become abundantly clear that I shouldn't have brought Mr. Dawkins to Haven.
4: I don't like making mistakes. How do you recommend we deal with him? Vivi's pulse quickened, but she continued to control her breathing and kept her voice steady.
0: He's a threat, but only if he gets off the island or communicates with someone outside, which we fortunately prevented in time.
4: Blythe nodded, but her eyes were sharply focused on Vivi. This was another test. Her mind raced.
0: It would be easy to make him disappear. We might need him if people start asking questions. Uh We can force him to say or do whatever we want if necessary, or, or perhaps even turn him to our cause with enough time. I can also squeeze him for information on his sestras. He would do anything for them and they for him. That's another advantage for us. If they start creating problems and they have a knack for it, consider him a kind of insurance policy.
4: Blythe nodded thoughtfully. Hopefully that meant she was buying Vivi's loyalty. Hmm. Can you make him cooperate?
0: (laughs) I've gotten tougher people to talk. Just leave them to me. Have one of the concrete storage sheds emptied and put him in there, under guard. Hmm. It's a pity,
4: as I do adore his work, and I really was looking forward to the mural. Vivi nodded and turned to leave, stopping at the door when Blythe called after her.
0: One more thing, Vivi. We are going to have a very special ceremony tonight, and I would like you to be there. As Chief of Security... I don't think we need to worry about anything official like that. You're also here because you belong with us. I want you to be able to enjoy the evening along with everyone else. It will bring you closer to the community and help you see what we're really about. And
4: as one of our sisters, your presence will only add to the celebration. A chill ran through Vivi, but her conditioning didn't fail her. Even as some part of her recoiled, she smiled warmly and spoke as sincerely as she could manage.
0: Of course. I'd be honored to attend.
4: Sarah looked around Fee's old loft, wishing he was home with her safe and sound. Technically, this was her place now. His home was the place he'd bought with Colin, so he had relinquished the loft to Sarah. But even without his things around... It still smelled strongly of paint and pot, and being here reminded her not only of her brother, but also of the old days. Helena's gonna bring him back. Each of the Sestras had a job to do, and right now, hers was to keep pulling at the threads of Blythe Winston's life. Sarah punched the number on her screen for Enola Salem, the latest on the list of Blythe's relatives and past associates that Sarah had tracked down online. On,
0: pick up. Hello? Hello. Hi. Is this Enola Salem? Uh,
6: depends. Who's this?
0: I'm Sarah Manning. I'm uh, a, a reporter. All right, um, I'm writing a story about Blythe Winston. Ah, oh, shit. Ah, uh, so you know her.
6: What kind of article are you writing?
0: An investigative piece, sort of Blythe Winston... This is your life. I'm talking to the people who knew her.
6: No, thanks. Not interested.
0: Wait, wait. Any, anything you could tell me would be great. Just a few questions, please.
6: Hang on. You're one of them, aren't you? A clone like her. You, you have the same voice. Even with that Australian accent.
0: English, actually. I am a clone, yeah.
6: I was shocked when I saw those pictures of women who look like her. Yeah, I bet. So, what are you really after?
4: Sarah considered. Sometimes, to get another person's trust, you had to give them some of your own first. It was a gamble worth taking.
0: Well, Blythe Winston seems to be trying to help clones, but I think she's actually making the situation worse, fueling a lot of resentment, and I'm just trying to find out where the truth is. I figured the best way to start was to understand her better.
6: Well, why didn't you say so in the first place? I haven't been in touch with Blythe for a long time, so I don't know how much I can help you. What do you want to know?
0: When was the last time you saw Blythe?
6: It must be uh, what, I, four, five years, I think. We always chatted once a month, even after her health products became the hot diet trend. Did you ever try Tethys?
0: Um, uh, no, it's not really my thing.
6: <sighs> Me neither. Yeah, if it was anyone but Bly, I would have thought it was a scam. But if she sold it, she believed in it.
0: So she's an honest sort?
6: That's how I remember her. She was the most thoughtful, generous person I knew. She remembered every birthday, every holiday. If you needed anything, you didn't have to ask. She took care of her family. Until she didn't.
0: And when did that change?
6: When she stopped calling. And when I called her, she blew me off. Said she was too busy. Never called me back.
0: I bloody hate that.
6: Then the cards stopped too. When my emails bounced, I took the hint.
0: strange. Any idea why she suddenly ghosted you?
6: I figured her success finally got to her and she decided she was better than everyone else. That's how she comes off in interviews. Like she's God's gift to the world.
0: Hmm. Anyone new come into her life? Like, maybe someone who was influencing her?
6: She mostly kept to herself in that big mansion she had in SoCal. She was worried about people getting close because of her money. When her business took off like that, she struggled with gaining recognition so quickly.
0: Well, it looks like she got over that.
6: Yeah, she certainly loves attention these days. I hope your article can help me understand what happened
0: to her. Right, yeah. I hope so too. Well, um, I really appreciate your time. It was nice talking
6: to you. <laughs> it was, it was almost like I was talking to her again.
4: After the call ended, Sarah checked the chat app again, but there were still no replies.
0: Where the fuck is everyone?
4: Frustrated, she resumed her online research on Blythe, focusing on where she had been four to six years before when she had abruptly cut off contact with Enola and the rest of her family. She pulled up satellite photos of Blythe Winston's old mansion in Santa Barbara and whistled. The driveway was about a mile long, leading to a four-story house surrounded by palm trees with an Olympic-sized swimming pool in the back. Records showed that Blythe had sold her mansion a couple years ago to a pop singer Sarah had never heard of, then presumably moved to her island retreat. Scrolling through the archived news articles about the hasty property sale, an article caught her eye. 33-year-old woman drowned in tragic accident. Sarah skimmed the short article. Kara DeVorn, Blythe Winston's friend and personal assistant, had been found dead in Blythe's own swimming pool. Evidence suggested she had been drinking, fallen, and hit her head. Blythe herself had discovered the body and called it in. The article was accompanied by a picture. An airbrushed glamour headshot of a woman with Sarah's face, but blonde hair and smoother skin. Another clone? But that meant Blythe had known she wasn't unique years before the Lita information became public. Had Blythe somehow stumbled onto the existence of clones as Sarah had? Had Kara been her first discovery? And her assistant's untimely death the event that changed her? Kasima's face popped up on her phone.
0: Oh, nice timing. I just found out something mad about Blythe. Get this. Delphine's missing. She was supposed to go see her OBGYN after she went shopping, but the doctor's office just called. She never showed up for her appointment, and she isn't answering her phone. Cos, slow down. I'm sure she's fine. I'll I'll come help look for her. Where are you? I, I, I just got to the mall. I'm driving around the parking lot looking for... Oh, God. What? Her car is still here. So she's inside, she's probably absorbed in the cheese display. Wouldn't be the first time, would it? I, I, I'm going
4: inside to look for her. Sarah grabbed her car keys and rushed out of the loft.
0: I'm on my way, it's a big market on Lakeshore, yeah? I'll be there in 10 minutes. Stay on the line with me. Thanks, I'll just, I'll, I'll call you back.
4: This was just fucking great. She knew exactly how Kasima felt. Worried sick about her wife, her very pregnant wife. Everything was going to turn out fine. Delphine was going to be okay. The baby was going to be okay. Felix was going to be okay. They had to be. Shite. You're listening to Orphan
3: Black, the next chapter. Starring Tatiana Maslany, Jordan Gavaris, Evelyn Brochu, and Christian Brun. Created and produced by Realm. Your portal to another world. Listen away.
6: and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream.
2: So if you like funny, true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Orphan Black, the next chapter, season two, is executive produced by Tatiana Maslany and stars Tatiana Maslany, Jordan Gavarris, Evelyn Brochu and Christian Brun. Based on the television series Orphan Black, Produced by Boat Rocker Studios Written by Malka Older Madeline Ashby Helly Kennedy E.C. Myers And Lindsay Smith And produced by Marco Palmieri And Haley Wagreich Associate produced by Nicole Otto And Diana Foe And executive produced by Molly Barton AMC Networks And David Fordier, Ivan Schneeberg And Jessica Shadlock of Boat Rocker Performed by Tatiana Maslani, Jordan Gaviris Evelyn Brochu, Christian Brune, Alyssa Zia, Vikas Adam, Taya Garlett, Hudson Mako, Stephanie Shea, Daniel Bonjour, Stephanie Frame, Tiana Camacho, Kimberly Marable, and Nathaniel Kweku. Directed and produced by Kaelin West. Sound design by Rory O'Shea. Additional editing by Corey Barton. Musical theme performed by Two Fingers and composed by Amin Tobin. Music composed by Trevor Yule.